Welcome to this episode of Because, I'm Mark Zyla. Today we talk to Matt Onstead, who's the assistant professor at U- the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. He's also the principal trumpet of the Wisconsin Chamber Orchestra, former principal of the Quad City Symphony Orchestra, and one of my dearest friends. In this episode, we'll hear a lot about his story in terms of how he came to become a trumpet player and we'll go through his undergraduate experience. So I hope you enjoy part one of Becauses of Matt Onstead. start with where are you from matt i am a born and raised wisconsinite i grew up in a small town in central wisconsin called beaver dam mm-hmm. it's not it's not too small like i think i'd compare it to like a moline if the mole if moline was just a a, a very um self-identifying city right um, if there weren't a singular three city, other cities a around city. it yeah 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 um It's a town of of a lot of blue collar folk. Um, I, I, I grew up in not a very musical family, um, but I I think my my musical inspiration, if if you want to go to that next question, well, no, I want to hear. Let's not more dig about right Beaver into Dam. music. Let's talk. Let's memories of Beaver Dam. Uh, I want I want to hear about. Uh, um, parents who made you what they're all about and i know they're not musical but uh it's an important part of making (laughs) matt who he is i think yeah for as long as i can remember my childhood was uh yeah i have an older sister three Mm -hmm. years older a younger brother three years younger um and my mother was a stay-at-home mom for basically our entire our entire childhood Mm -hmm. um she was straight off the boat English from, really? from England. And my father was stationed in the air force overseas okay. uh, for whatever time a tour in the mm-hmm. air force is right. and brought my mother over. Okay. You know, so, so she was on a green card, mm-hmm. um, not really working. She, she would help out at, at our elementary school, you know, doing some, some lunch lady hours or something like that. Right. Right. And then eventually got a full-time job in retail, mm-hmm. but for, my most of my childhood my my dad worked second shift Mm -hmm. at uh in a metal production shop and uh, i had a really good relationship with my mother Mm -hmm. and never really saw my dad until uh what i what i remember at the high school age the angsty high school years Mm -hmm. um 
forming a, a better relationship with my father. I, I worked at his in his metal production shop in the summers. Okay. It was it was cool to to bond with him. Mm-hmm. So was um, Beaver Dam uh, where he was from originally, and so he got out of the service and moved home, or or what? What's the story on getting that family to Beaver Dam? <laughs> Small town Midwest. I mean, I, I think I think my family moved around. Um, you know, northern small town Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, which is uh, about forty-five minutes away from Beaver Dam. And a Charlie Barron's joke, I'm sure. Absolutely. You hear the. Uh, <laughs> you hear a walk at the end of anything, and you could make it into a there, Charlie Barron's well, joke. Yeah, there are those videos of like athletes <laughs> coming to Wisconsin and trying to pronounce Wisconsin city names, and it's it's hilarious <laughs> uh, but beaver dam's an easy one to pronounce uh, i don't i don't know where i don't know how we ended up in beaver dam mm-hmm. uh it, it, i think it, it must have just been a centralized place where my father's family all okay. of his sisters brothers um his mother mm-hmm. um we all kind of centrally located in the area right and my mom being from overseas we we never got to see or meet uh most of her family her parents would come over and visit often probably once every other year okay um but aside from that it it was really just kind of a one-sided thing growing up we only were we were only around my father's family Mm -hmm. um well let's talk a little bit about go ahead sorry no, no. I, Beaver Dam was 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 cool. It was it was it was small but homey. It was one of those towns where you could go and knock on your friend's door, mm-hmm. and there's a park right nearby. And it was in at the it, in the day of age is where you you could trust your kids to go out and play, right, and just run around and, all day know, and be, come home for dinner. Be home when the streetlights turn on. One hundred percent. And those were the summers. Mm-hmm. Those were the summer days, and and I remember them fondly. Just you know, hopping on the bike and and roaming around town. Yep. So, what was music like in your home? Uh, you say you didn't come from a musical family, but were you guys listening to anything? Uh, were your musical tastes kind of molded by uh, older siblings, or or what, what was going on in that department at home? One hundred one point five. I will always remember that radio station. Um, mm-hmm. It was classic rock. Okay. Uh, whenever we we didn't really have like the radio at home, we didn't mm-hmm. have records or anything like that. But whenever we were in the car, it was Sticks, Guns N' Roses, Queen, uh, right. a little bit of the Beatles. Sure, I think mm-hmm. it's probably like the the British thing. Right. Um, <laughs> but aside from that, it, it was a lot of like I remember hearing. Earth, Wind, and Fire. I remember hearing Blood, Sweat, and Tears. I remember hearing that music, like mm-hmm. Hornline. Right. Really cool, strong, and yeah. bright, bright sounds from from the classic rock. But I, I never listened to symphonic music. Mm-hmm. I never listened to. I rarely listened to a jazz record. Mm-hmm. Um, it was only until I got to high school where I where I met some actually like musically nerdy friends mm-hmm. who came from music families. Right. Where where one of my good friends, he was also a trumpet player, he 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 sent me a, a Chuck Mangione record. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was it was it was completely new. Right. I was very naive. It mm-hmm. was very different for me, but but I took it all in and my sister went through the whole like instrument 
show and tell thing where, where right. you pick out your instruments. Mm-hmm. She brought home a clarinet when she was in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. I would be in second grade at that point. Right. And I thought it was very fascinating. Mm-hmm. I, I would take her instrument and, and noodle around and try to tr- try to figure it out. Right. Um, I can't say how successful I was at that. Um, I'm sure it sounded amazing. It, yeah, woodwind instruments are just confusing. <laughs> uh, well, coming from a guy who can <laughs> cannot make a sound on a woodwind instrument, it's like pressing the buttons would have felt good, but like you would just hear a lot of air and maybe an, equa- an occasional like squawk out of a clarinet if it was in my I hands. Didn't even get, I didn't even get that. So, I'll, I mean, I'll fast forward to my fifth grade year where, where I went in and I ranked my instruments and for some whatever reason it was i ranked saxophone as my first my Oof. first instrument i, nice. I so desperately wanted to play the saxophone maybe mm-hmm. it was because of my sister's clarinet right right maybe it was because maybe maybe it was because i i listened to earth wind and fire and heard or maybe it was chuck mangione's band there was, mm-hmm. was, yeah 100 he had some really great tenor saxophonists in his band mm-hmm. um but I couldn't make a single sound. Right. I don't know what the heck I was doing. Mm. Probably everything wrong. <laughs> and so after that station, I, I wanted to play the drums like everybody. Right. But that line that line was about a mile and a half long. And so I I, I walked over to the trumpet line with my head down, <laughs> thinking, <laughs> this, is, this is just going to be the pits. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, I, I made a, a couple – couple tootin' sounds on on a trumpet mouthpiece on the trumpet and I walked home a trumpet player. Wow. So before the day that you walked home a trumpet player, what were some other interests in in your life? Uh, You know, when you were spending those days outdoors, like, what were you into? Anything with a bike. Okay. Anything with a ball. Mm -hmm. we, we, We grew up in a neighborhood full of, um, pretty athletic kids right packer fans yeah 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 it, like big here in wisconsin we're, we're big packer fans big brewer fans mm-hmm. you know, like all all the all that kind of thing but we would gather the kids around the neighborhood play some pickup football or, or hit right. a ball throw throw like anything mm-hmm. my wife always catches me playing with our kids balls like mm-hmm. throwing it against the wall so it bounces right. back and i'm just <laughs> essentially playing catch with myself yeah yeah yeah. It, it, for me growing up that was that was how we spent our time yeah, was yeah. outside mostly safe like right yeah it, it was those were really formative years for me just socially mm-hmm knocking on confidently knocking on someone's door asking them to come out and play and and just assembling the team yeah Yeah, very simple stuff that's awesome Uh, did you play uh did you play organized when you got into school at all i never play any organized sports um Hmm. until until like middle school okay um we i i don't know if we couldn't afford it back then or something like that but it was just something that you know my mom never drove my never my mom never actually got her driver's license oh actually. wow so that was mm-hmm. a bit of information mm-hmm. um and so my dad working second shift we could never really get around to any sort of organized sport after right after school so staying neighborhood based um, was important it, it was very neighborhood based like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm telling you like saint stephen's high school or uh, uh saint stephen's elementary school 
mm -hmm. and Wilson Elementary, the school that I went to, they right. shared a block. And so both had really big playgrounds. And so we would just camp there for essentially an entire day. Yeah, yeah. You'd come home, eat, a, eat, eat something really quick, and then head out right away. Mm -hmm. It's something that we I don't see. No. As a, as, as a new parent, I, I yeah, I, I hope that we can get to some level of confidence and safety with with our children to just be able to act at, at least offer something like that. Right. For sure. Uh, That's very similar to me. And like, you know, my, the way my dad was raised with like, I think they had eight kids at home. And so with that many kids, you literally kind of had to raise them with like opening the front door and like get out of the house and do what you do, but come home safely, hopefully at some point. And then hopefully, at the no, end of the day, no, no, you, you count no where like bones. all eight are here. That's, that's good. <laughs> all those sorts of yeah, things. Yeah. I think the, the two boys, we have, we have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Hopefully that'll all pay off. Yeah. Well, at least they got each other to, that's to right. tire each other out. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So let's talk about those first um, years of, of Matt and his trumpet. Was it one of those things that, uh, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people and I think the cool thing about this show or I hope the thing that people take away from it is that, you know, far too often we kind of have this pre-prescribed story about like a professional musician. They must mm -hmm. have done this. They must have done that. And it and everybody thinks it all looks the same but the stories are all like wildly different. And so we're, yeah. we're trying to come to some kind of like, what is the common thread? But, you know, I'm from a small town in West Virginia. You seemingly are from not a, the smallest town, but a small town in a small world in Wisconsin. And uh, we've seemed to figure out how to how to make a living doing this, which people will be sure. like, really? Like you're not from Chicago yeah. or New York or whatever. So what, what were those first years like? Was it something that just like, was it a powder keg and you just exploded or, or was it something you kind of eased into over the years? Uh, to answer your question about if I could try to pinpoint what a common thread between careers are between people that you've interviewed in your past or, mm -hmm. or anyone in the field that has done it mildly successfully or, or are doing it full time. Mm -hmm. It has to be the people that we're around. We're all we're influenced by, you know, if whether it's it's middle school friends, high school friends, people we meet in undergrad, mm -hmm. or people that we meet in the field, right? right? Like you and I. Mm -hmm. That's what forms, in my opinion, whether or not we are successful, and we can measure that in yeah. so many different ways. Right. But the and and I and I think that's growing up and even before i picked up the trumpet it mm -hmm. was it was the people making music like like in in grade school mm -hmm. i this is a because show very good one of my i, I came into this interview <laughs> needing to say a couple names yeah and love that one of one of one of my becauses is darby hints mm -hmm. she was my grade school general music teacher all right it, let's get a description of this this teacher she's to this day and she's she's come to many of my performances still and she'll uh -huh. come up to me she's like oh matt I, I don't know if you remember me and i said of course i remember you right uh-huh she is this uh beautiful old lady with uh, that just like oozes passion and love and care 
for young minds. And that's why I felt, especially in grade school, mm-hmm. where I thought, you know, the stresses of whatever that coursework was like, right. um, every single day, my class would walk down to the music room mm-hmm. and she'd be waiting for us with this, this ear to ear grin, just just smiling her her face off right and we would pick up those big thick songbooks and then we'd spend whatever like a half hour mm-hmm. and she'd be standing at the piano and we'd just be belting our our, our voices out and, right. and it was just a time to be safe it was a time for us to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and to let ourselves be ourselves yeah and that, i feel like that was just like for me and to this day, when I see her in the audience or she comes up to me after after performance, it just brightens brightens everything up. She she was just one of those people, and I'm sure we all know folks like that that just brighten up the room. Well, like I think it's it, it kind of highlights what's super important when you're working with young people is that um, young people just want to be around people who want to be around them. Yeah. And so like if you can bring an energy level or a passion for just creating a space for kids to come and be kids, but to then approach the material through that lens, like I think you're going to be far too far more successful than some of the other approaches are like you're trying to train kids to be adults. They're not adults yet. They're like they and you know, I gosh. Um, you know, I just traveled home for a, a couple weeks and I had a nice conversation with my mom and I, I kind of came to this, um, you know, kind of realization that, you know, the strength of my childhood was that my parents were committed to me being a child for as many years as I possibly could. And mm-hmm. so like, you know, I was lucky or I'm privileged to have a, a background where, you know, I didn't have to work to help sustain my family and you know um i didn't have to be a part of that i didn't have to worry about that and so with that it was like you know yeah summers were about running out and seeing if the neighbors were available to to go and do whatever and a lot of the times for me it was not safe things like playing with firecrackers and matchbox cars and all that kind of stuff but also like kids getting excited about things like i had people around me who would just let me be excited and it's like you know you know the chances of a little kid becoming a professional baseball player we all know are less than like one percent but man, was it so fun for at least 13 years of my life to believe that. Uh-huh. And it would allow me to believe that like the next thing, which seemed a little bit more tangible, was a possibility. So like, I guess this is my okay. soapbox of, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if your kids watch Bluey. Oh, yeah. But and, like and those the, parents, the way, they like, yeah. they are kids with their kids. And it's so <laughs> freaking beautiful. <laughs> It makes me it makes me feel so bad as a parent. <laughs> they're so gorgeous parents, but but you know, find yeah. a little bit of that yeah. playfulness and of and you course. know and be joyful around kids and let them be excited about stuff. So you know, like I imagine you know the real reality of this teacher you're talking about is like those songs she's sung about a million times, and she's heard kids sing a million times. But boy, like the ability to stay like invested in it and understand that like that environment was what she was there to do. And that environment is like fertile ground for creativity 
even outside of music. So that's a really cool story. And thanks for coming prepared with that beautiful story. Yeah. I I mean, (laughs) and and this just like, is just the starting point Mm -hmm. for it. Right. And whether it's, it's dreaming to become a baseball professional, professional baseball player or, or to be around music, it, the vulnerability and safety that, that teachers bring, um, and that friends offer, you know, it, 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 it's part of what makes us beautiful human beings. hundred mm-hmm. it, it, percent. It, yeah. So, so to answer your, your other question, it was really, really, really a slow burn for me. Okay. Um, there's, there's no, there's little commonalities between some of some of the people that I know that have been very successful in, in music and, and has made, made it a career. Mm-hmm. I played the trumpet throughout middle school and high school. And I, I guess I was pretty good at it. <laughs> you know, right. I was, yeah, I yeah. think I, I was, I was one of the, the big fish in the small pond. Mm-hmm. We, we didn't have an enormous music program. Right. When I was a, a freshman in high school, there were four bands and then block scheduling hit Wisconsin. Okay. And so that, that really took down the enrollment numbers of, mm-hmm. of, of art altogether. Um, where, where students had to choose between taking their, their second calculus class or remaining in, in choir. Right. And so there, there was quite a, quite a big hit with the enrollment. Like, mm-hmm. I think we, we saw a lot in, 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 in arts programs around that time. Right. Um, I remember going to the board meetings in my county with my dad to fight block scheduling. So, <laughs> and yeah, we were successful it, like for it, a handful of years, and then then it, it came. But it, it it made it all more confusing for the students. It made it. I mean, you're you're essentially taking away what we've already said is that like safe spot mm-hmm. for a lot of students, right? And then it's just stress all day long because there's like so much. Uh, objective learning in those other classes you don't offer the ability for students to escape and right and be vulnerable and, and learn in a different way mm-hmm. um and so that, that that was kind of where i i floated i guess around in high school yeah i, I, I right. got the first parts and I, I did a couple decently cool things in high school but i for my entire high school career I thought the only job in the music realm was to become a high school band director. Right. And a couple of my other becauses, mm-hmm. Mr. David Hoffmaster and Mr. Rich Zeman, both of both of whom are are, are very close friends and, and super fans of mine, my high school band directors. Nice. Um they 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 offered me so much, but it wasn't something that I wanted to pursue. Right. You know, high school was just a, a crazy stressful time. And the mm-hmm. idea of being around and teaching again, like angsty, right. Yeah. Yeah. It seems <laughs> like a lot. young adults wasn't something that I really wanted to entertain. And For so sure. I, I, I went into my college years as a biology major of all things. Mm-hmm. So talk about that a little bit. What was it about, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in your science upbringing that made you curious about pursuing that what's the story behind that choice money yeah i see (laughs) (laughs) no no i I mean it 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 was something that i've always i was always 
pretty good at, you know, my, my, my brain, that side of the brain worked really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fascinated with human anatomy and, and all that sort of right. How things jargon. work. Yeah. Like in, in growing up, one of my best friends in high school, he had a, a really serious sports back injury. Okay. And so I saw him go through some really awful care. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, mm-hmm. that that brought me into like the chiropractic realm. Okay. So maybe maybe you and I would have met in the Quad Cities a little bit earlier at right. Palmer. Yeah, at Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> the, chi- the chiropractic program. Right. Uh, but it was something that you know I I, I think I must have admittedly saw my close friends in in high school go and seek those kinds of opportunities like going to mm-hmm. school for business or going to right. school for 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 health sciences mm-hmm. and i think i just kind of wanted to like join that train right and it was essentially just like kind of throwing a something at a wall and seeing if it sticks and so yeah, I, I i stuck with it for over a year in college in my undergrad and I, although I was still, I, I, I did the chiropractic thing with a music minor. I thought okay. it was an opportunity for me to to gain a little bit more knowledge. And take keep the, playing. Take the, and keep playing. Take the introductory music theory classes and all that such. Um, but I remember one specific Monday in my third semester of college. The third semester is organic chemistry. Like that, that second year is the organic chemistry year. Right. Right. And whoever whoever's listening and and loves organic chemistry, bless your heart, because <laughs> it was not something that came naturally for me. And it was it was so challenging because I remember the schedule very specifically. Mm-hmm. It was an eight to eight a.m. to eleven a.m. lab, organic chemistry lab. In the afternoon was our lecture, about mm-hmm. an hour, hour and a half, or something like that. And directly after that was a discussion. So it was like organic chemistry heavy. Monday, right? All but day, at 11, every 30, day, all day, every day. Kind of like but, my Vosberg Monday brass class, but like in organic. That sounds chemistry. wonderful. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> Eight a.m. <And> so, <laughs> incredible. <laughs> but as the music minor, I, uh, I, I took ensembles uh-huh. on every day at from eleven thirty to twelve thirty was wind ensemble. Okay, um, and that was a really really great way to escape organic chemistry hell. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it, it was kind of an epiphany moment for me. I was laying like, what, what is it? Like six inches from the, from the ceiling in my lofted bed mm-hmm. one Monday morning, probably four or five, six weeks in mm-hmm. this semester. And I said, I cannot, I, I, I simply couldn't do it anymore it was like that one morning of me making a pretty significant life decision to Mm -hmm. to pursue something that i knew might be different a lot different i might fail i might you know be so vulnerable where i might find myself in a place where i can't you know dig back from and through conversations with, again, we'll get to these names um, because they are my becauses. Mm-hmm. Um, through conversations with people that were very close to me at that point as a sophomore in college, I was confident enough to make the decision to go head on and and, and really honestly play catch up 
because mm-hmm. I was a 20 year old. Right. Just getting serious about music. Mm-hmm. I, I liked it. I, I liked playing trumpet. I, I was I was decent at it. I was yeah, I think I was pretty good at it in right. high school. Mm-hmm. But it was never something for me that, you know, I, I listened to Bud Herseth when I was 16 and I just wanted right. I, that's that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah, that yeah. wasn't that wasn't my experience. That wasn't my story. Right. And so I was lucky enough to be in a in a cohort in my undergrad and have <sighs> the perfect mentor as a teacher in my undergrad. I land, oh, yeah. I went to school for biology mm-hmm. and just so happened to have landed an insanely wonderful man as a trumpet teacher. Right. And who is that and person? Tell me about him. <laughs> Dr. Marty Robinson. Mm-hmm. I, I get touched and, and a little bit emotional just thinking about how incredibly life-changing and uh, how how formative he was for me. Mm-hmm. It, it was he he molded me into a very immature <laughs> incoming <laughs> freshman. You know, I took lessons as right. in my freshman year and everything. Mm-hmm. Very immature young man, and and put me on the path to succeed. Yeah. So what were those lessons like? Were they, were they kind of, uh, getting down into the like more technical ends of things? Like, do you feel like those were more traditional based lessons with like, you know, warm up and technique heavy things or, um, you know, kind of what, what were you up to? And, and, and if you could describe, uh, your professors like philosophy, what was it all about? He was well. He is. He is a, a monster jazz trumpet player. Okay. So he's he's very, in 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 my opinion, and and through my experience with with especially the beginning lessons, mm-hmm. in my, my first couple of years there, there was a lot of technique based stuff. Right. I didn't I didn't know my major scales. Right. You have to learn the language before you can do all the other things. Absolutely. And so the fact that he can do those other things so successfully right you know work through an improvisation uh, minutes of 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 a story mm-hmm. just off the top of his head right he knew that and you know he he went to the big schools he went to eastman he went he went he was all over the map he he gained that knowledge and i think that he did a really darn good job of of kind of bleeding that into his students as well mm-hmm. um so yeah, it was a lot of a lot of scales. My first year or two, um, a lot of arbins, a lot of arbin, <laughs> a lot of, and and I still I should have dug out my old lesson grids because we we'd have a a semester grid that I use for my students now mm-hmm. in, in my current job. Uh, and so it was like every week you'd have a a, a spreadsheet line of 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 to dos. A lot of Arben books, a lot, lot, lot of Clark studies, just, and then, you know, getting a decent sound. Mm-hmm. It was, you do your scales correctly, but you don't <laughs> do it without a good sound. Right. And as a biology major and a music minor, like it, it was something that I didn't really take seriously for the first year. And I think he, I'm sure he saw it. Mm-hmm. He's a very smart man. I'm sure he saw it. But then when I came to his office that week, like that, that, that epiphany day, 
I, I sat in his office for a very, very good amount of time. And he said, okay, time to get serious. Yeah. Yeah. It's and like, I can let things go because this kid's a minor, but now sure. it's like, nope. <laughs> well, and, 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 and he was, he was really the one that kind of laid out all of the professions. You could, you can go create compositions. You can go be a conductor. You can go be a performer. You can, you can do all sorts of things. Right. And I said, and I said, Marty, I kind of want to teach. Like, I kind of want to, I didn't I don't think I said this exact words but like I wanted to be him right he he taught serious students he well he taught students that are paying to be there like paying good money right to sit in his office and learn learn an instrument learn a craft mm -hmm. um and he, he performed around the area it right. sounded like an awesome awesome lifestyle he was yeah, a yeah. father and and exactly the man and the lifestyle that was really attractive to me at that time mm -hmm. and so it said okay so you need to go get these other degrees after this mm -hmm. and this is what it's going to take i took a little bit of time i spoke to my peers and i'm like oh, okay I'm, I, I guess i'm switching from biology pre-chiropractic to music performance mm-hmm that's a big and that, <laughs> that was a huge turning point for me mm -hmm. when I, again, 20 years old in, in oral skills, one playing catch up in oral skills and in uh, music history classes. And I, I got bumped into those classes five weeks into the semester. Mm -hmm. I was playing a lot of catch up with academics, mm -hmm. but I knew that I was going to be spending a lot of time right. <laughs> figuring it all out. hundred percent. So we, I think forgot to say where are you right now <laughs> you copy and paste this yeah right we'll, we'll relocate it um, what school are you at <laughs> yeah i i'm the uh, the assistant professor of, of trumpet at the university where did where, where did now? where did you go like oh where did i go in, in uh, our story right now back. yeah we're no, not no. doing the biography no, no 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 where where am where am i in school that's right. So I went to my undergrad at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. Bagosh. Um, Oshkosh Bagosh. You mm -hmm. see the clothing brand. That's where <laughs> Oshkosh Truck, they make a lot of uh, military vehicle parts. Oh, cool. So if you, mm -hmm. You'll see that. And actually, like those those pothole covers, Nina Foundry. Okay. That's just north of Oshkosh. So Man. there's a little bit of like middle Wisconsin, literally all over the globe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at Oshkosh, there's that big EAA, like the Air Venture okay. uh, week. Mm -hmm. Everyone flies into small, smallish town Oshkosh <laughs> and floods the town for, for, for about five, six days. Um, and so that's where I went, went to undergrad. Okay. Um, so let's for, talk. Yeah, oh, go no. ahead. Uh, let's talk a little go bit ahead. about, um, and one other question that's still on my mind. At, by the time that you got to school had you had any private lessons if you want to count like the 10 minutes that they pulled us out of high school like right. history class right. to come down and check up on band music but that was the shore. extent of your but that was that was training. that was my extent of like you know playing for somebody and getting feedback which which bless their heart mr hoffmaster mr zeman if you're listening to this like i i appreciate it but it, it wasn't like a 
like I, I'd never paid someone for private lessons right, right, right. until like my first real private lesson was when I stepped on campus. Okay. So you're, um, in Oshkosh, you're having essentially your first private lesson experience with, uh, seemingly a wonderful instructor who, mm-hmm. um, again, in my analysis of this story, like you have a person that like, doesn't sound like the personality of like a monster, you know, like he wasn't yelling at you to get your stuff straight, but he was very real. Like he, he was like, you know, you can do this, but to do it, it looks like this. And that's an awful lot of like the conversations that I have now with like students before they start lessons. It's like, not that I'm gearing up to making them like a professional horn player, but it's like, when you're coming to lessons, like this is, this is what we're doing. You know, we are working on these basic skills and my job is to get you to play the instrument as well as possible so that you can go out and do a whole host of things with it. Like if you want to play jazz, awesome. You want to play heavy metal with it. Awesome. You want to play classical music, killer. But all of that comes from, you know, being able to actually play the instrument itself. And so, um, I think that's a really cool part of your story is that you have somebody that you kind of vibed with so personally and was able to kind of like, I don't know, deliver somewhat bad news, <laughs> which you were probably expecting to get, which is like, you know, sure, you have work cut out for you. So talk to me about your um, colleagues, because I think a lot of the work, mm-hmm. um, the environment uh, that is created at a school that I think is fertile ground for work is something that uh, I bet you, if I, uh, you're a professor, I bet you, I could get you to say, I work really hard to help instill an environment at my college where my students want to practice, but you know that that is done by them. So if there's a critical mass of people who want to do this work, your school is going to start to have that environment. If that critical mass isn't there, it's extremely difficult for individuals to kind of persevere through that as as it relates to connecting with peers. Like I've mm-hmm. seen people who you're like, uh, my job here is to take private lessons and get in that practice room. You know, it's like ensembles are one thing, but it's like lessons in, in practice room. And you kind of mm-hmm. like get tunnel vision and you don't care about what's going on, on the outside. That never worked for me because I'm far too social. <laughs> but like what uh, talk to me a little bit about your environment to that point, because I, I have to imagine that there are some people in your because story that uh, weren't mm-hmm. professors that are. are um, so I'd like to hear a little about that. Yeah, I mean, if I if I was talking to my dean about what I do at school, then I would probably use that language that you started off with. But <laughs> it, it, it's a cultural thing, right? It, and, and and you're absolutely right. It it starts. It, it might like start vocally with like um, the professor's expectations in front of the studio, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But but it, it it doesn't it doesn't continue there. It, right. it is a these these kids are not only spending time in the hallways with one another and they're they're not only spending time in like the lounges together but they're spending time learning at different paces and struggling in different points in theory classes and in history classes and whatever and and that's a lot of this time sometimes it's in the same house 100 percent. yeah like you're living within this different like the diaspora of of experience (laughs) and i know i know i know that the folks listening can't can't see this but um this tattoo that I have, uh-huh. it's, it's a house, it's a roof with, with a trumpet on it. And uh-huh. 
my my three other becauses, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, three three more becauses rather, right, right, um, are my three best friends that I went to college with. The three my three best friends that that I I, I roomed with. Mm-hmm. We called it the Brass House. It was the ho- this dingy old house right across the street from the Arts and Communication Building. And so when it was still negative 10 there was two feet of snow out we still didn't put coats on because we would just run across, run across the street, the street. nice <laughs> and, and you're and, still wearing shorts practice. yeah of course basketball because, shorts <laughs> no, absolutely that's, that's the look in in college um back then the um, uniform but but charlie matt and nick um tuba trombone and horn respectively we 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 were all in the same cohort. We were very lucky to have landed in the same class, graduated in, in 2009 from high school, and then ended up centrally locating with each other in, in, at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. And, mm-hmm. and those three started right away with music. Okay. Um, and I was the, the the trumpet player in the in the top wind ensemble that just kind of strolled in after mm-hmm. after the libations from the night before and you know just played played the trumpet in the in the wind ensemble and that was it and Mm then aside from you know living in the same dorms as these as these people my first year i didn't really see them Mm -hmm. um until one day right around the time that i was making this big changeover they asked to to form a brass quintet, a student brass quintet. They, mm-hmm. they asked me, you know, we were in the same grade. It was, yeah. we we're all at similar levels. Um, and that was a huge, a huge turning point for me mm-hmm. to be able to be in a separate student led group with people that I didn't know at the time were going to one day stand up in my wedding. Right. Um, they were really, really the first people I went to asking for real advice about what it might take mm-hmm. to, to dive into music. Mm-hmm. They're brilliant, brilliant people, really great players, mm-hmm. um, but fierce friends. And they, they, they brought me into their little, little circle mm-hmm. and you know, there's only so much that that professor can do, like you said. Mm -hmm. Um, I learned a lot about what maturity meant, not only uh, socially, right. But musically (laughs) as well. Uh There's, there's one semester where our, our orchestra director said, all right, the next concert, we're going to be playing pictures at an exhibition. And, And my three brass buddies, they're like all cheering. I'm like, what, what the heck is that piece? Who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, cool. It sounds, sounds cool, guys. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And so they, they were, they were the folks that you know go to their their room, their dorm rooms, and we would you know nerd out on, on iTunes, listen mm-hmm. to records, listen to all the Duke Ellington that the music library had to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the first time I sat down and listened to the Chicago Symphony. Yeah. It, 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 and and with those with those friends, that's where I, I started to really understand and um, get really excited about 
classical music right and what the possibilities like not just classical but like that side of like legit uh music education yeah absolutely well let's talk a little bit about um your your relationship to music making within the military band system Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and at what point did that start and uh what who are the people behind that decision and and all that it was so I've, I've mentioned his name now the the tuba player charlie charlie bloom is uh was the best man in my wedding mm-hmm. um he he grew up in oshkosh and then went to school at, at uw uw oshkosh um one of his dreams growing up he, he he knew that he wanted to keep the tuba in his life right but he he knew through through his family history that you know, military bands is a, a really great option to not only, you know, succeed with all the benefits. There's a lot of really great benefits financially and, 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 and healthcare wise, all that, all that stuff. Right. Right. He, he sought out the, the national guard band here in the state. Um, right around the time where I started to really get to know him mm-hmm. um, when he was, when we were both 20 years old or so. And when he started talking about the prospect of, of joining the army, I'm like, Oh, cool. Great. Again, kind of just don't care. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah, was yeah. like the pictures at an exhibition experience. Mm-hmm. Cool. Great. Have fun. Right. And as, as a, a good friend of his, I went down to see his basic training graduation mm-hmm. and again another another turning point experience for me was watching him and seeing him in uniform you know the sense of pride that you have after being away for 11 weeks not mm-hmm. not seeing or talking to any of your friends or family uh, right you know really battling crazy heat and drill sergeants are jerks and it's just like <laughs> just seeing him in, in that experience and then and then speaking with him about you know, really, honestly, the, the, the education benefits right. of what he was getting, you know, I, I was paying for school all on my own. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a, a lot of student loans and schools, <laughs> college is inappropriately expensive. Right. So I, I, on the drive home from South Carolina, after we, we, we dropped them off after, after we saw him. I just kept thinking about that possibility, mm-hmm. you know, again, like a, a pretty immature young man, this could be a, 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 a real decent turning point for me maturity wise. And, mm-hmm. and, and I could, I could really use that to, to not only grow up in that way, but also continue and have another avenue to perform mm-hmm. at a, at a semi or, or even more professional level. And so I pursued the the Army National Guard band, the same band that, that Charlie was in. Um, I auditioned for the commander. I spent 21 weeks away from home, went to basic training uh, in the, the dead heat of Oklahoma, and then spent 10 weeks at the Army School of Music where you, like, you learn the ins and outs of being an Army musician. I already mm-hmm. knew how to play my instrument. Right. But there are certain like drill and ceremony things we learn how to march properly we learn how the army wants to to have music per per like per, portrayed to the public right 
Um, there's just a, a certain way of, of, of how they do things. Well. And now it, it, we're, I'm approaching 11 years <laughs> in the military and, and, it, and it's changed drastically in those 11 years. I have a couple of my students actually in the band mm -hmm. uh, with me now. And what I tell people when they even like have like a little, little spurt of interest of what I, what I do on the military side of things is I tell them that people come and people enlist for the benefits. It's great. I mean, it, it, it selfishly is, is giving me opportunities that I couldn't have even, even thought of without it. Right. Um, but they stay for the people. Yeah. And, and I, and I just showed you, um, a couple tattoos underneath my, my tattoo that I have with my, with my brass house buds from undergrad <laughs> is, is, is another one with, with three of my, my army bandmates, mm -hmm. trumpet players. It, 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 it's silly, but you know, the, the, the people that you meet, it's not silly at all. What no. am I saying? It like it's the people that life. you meet, mm -hmm. it's just, it, they form who you are. And, and again, three other people that stood up in my wedding. It, right. They're, these are just such fierce friends and, and people that you don't, as, as an, as an army national guards bandsman, mm -hmm. we only see each other one weekend every month. Right. And then we have a two week tour in the summer that we just finished. Not too, re not too long ago. We spend 28 days, 29 days apart from one another, but we pick it up like it, like we like we just saw each other. And it's just like how that how those relationships go. I haven't seen my buddy Nick since before the pandemic. Wow. I'm going to see I'm going to see him in, in September. I'm going to go out and, and see him in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you it's, it it's not going to feel like we we spent no. four plus years apart from one another right. it just be right it, it's just how it goes like you and i haven't seen each, haven't other, seen, many seen each other in person since yeah. what december 2021 20, was it that maybe it was then that man well and like we like we, we message and yeah. text and everything but it's right. just like you form those relationships they pick up course. where they left off and that's that's the biggest part of that's my biggest because it's the people yeah 100 percent. because is produced by mark zyla and jaron michelle in the studios of wvik quad cities npr thank you for listening to this episode because I read Because by Mo Willems, illustrated by Amber Wren, I wanted to learn the becauses of people I admire. Do me a favor and thank someone in your own Because story and join us next time on Because.